Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for your goodness to us, your provision. And we thank you for taking care of us, watching over us, answering prayers, and using us to get the gospel out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And uh, we are certainly not going to cover everything in Psalm 119 tonight, but uh, thought it might be a fitting conclusion to a little bit of a series we've had on the life of David the last several Sunday nights. And, um, of course, Psalm 119 is unsigned. Uh, we're not sure who the actual author is. Uh, most people believe that it is David, and uh, we won't get into all the technical things, but uh, I believe if you'll spend some time reading through Psalm 119, you can actually trace the different histories of David's life, and that's not the goal tonight. But certainly Psalm 119 is the psalm of the life of the Christian it is the psalm of the Word of God, and uh, we're just going to uh, kind of graze through Psalm 119, if we can tonight. Just pick up a few uh, of the highlights, but we have an introduction here that kind of overviews, and if you're wondering, the uh, uh, the order of the psalm, it's divided into sets of eight verses, one for every letter in the Hebrew alphabet. If, if you have a, a little uh, nicer than common Bible, they'll actually print the Hebrew letters in there and, and their name uh, at the head of each, um, uh, of each set or strophe is uh, what they like to call that. But uh, in the Hebrew, the beginning of each verse, the first letter of each verse, also matched the letter that began uh, the section. So in verse 1, it would be the Aleph or the A of the Hebrew alphabet. And every verse, 1 through 8, would begin with that letter. This was just part of their poetry. And, and again, Hebrew poetry does not rhyme words. It rhymes thoughts. Uh, it rhymes ideals. Sometimes it contrasts them. And, and uh, this is uh, the poem, I believe, of David's life. And we just start with the beginning and overview in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him. With the whole heart, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed. When I have respect unto all thy commandments, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes, O oh, forsake me not utterly. Now, these first eight verses goes through here, and 
and we get verses 1 through 4 talking about the blessings. And then we see the contrast in verse 5, the blessings of keeping God's commandments, of learning them. In verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. I mean, how many times uh, can we just ask the question, have you thought along these lines, Lord, would you... Would you move my heart toward your ways? Could you give me strength to just keep your word? And this is what the psalmist is telling us here. And we see even in these first eight verses, the conflict of human nature versus God's nature. The fact that God's word is the answer. Blessed are the undefiled. Who walk in the law of the Lord. I mean, if you could live that verse every day, that would be the answer to almost every question, would it not? To walk undefiled in the way. To have God's laws direct me. And the psalmist says, look at verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. And this idea of respect here is talking about when I believe God's Word to the point of obedience. You know, I've heard it said about different people over the years, well, God saved everything but His mouth. That just never quite got straightened out. Or uh, a preacher friend I knew and respected greatly, someone said of him, well, God saved everything but the foot that hits the accelerator pedal because that one doesn't obey the laws very much. And uh, these different, of course, we make light of this, but here's, here's what the Bible says. It says, I won't be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. We, we have this tendency, and I, I wish we could do this with every verse, but if we did it with every verse on the outline, we'd be back into where we were about uh, four or five years ago when we went through Psalm 119, a verse at a time. It only took us about a year and a half to get through there, and we're not going to redo uh, that series again, especially not in one night. But what we need to get a hold of here, it says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I have learned... Thy righteous judgments. And verse 8 may sound a little strange, but putting it in the context of the others, it says, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Again, we have that conflict that is is presented in verse 5. How many times do we set out to do right? And we come up a little short. And we have this statement that we use all the time. Well, God understands. Yes, He does. He understood so much, He sent Jesus to the cross. That's how much God understands about our sin. We need to be careful that we don't make allowances for ourselves, excuses in our lives for parts of our life that we may not be as interested in having God change as we would other parts. We have this tendency when we deal with 
sin or have a certain recurring problem that, listen, this is what's got to be solved if I can solve this. But you know what? The devil never attacks you on a single front, does he? The devil, when he attacks all the way around. You can't live life on a 180 plane. That's a straight line. Because that's not the way it works. We have things coming at us from every direction. And if you decide, listen, I'm going to work on this problem and I'm going to let this over here go. How much trouble do we get in when we get that kind of idea in our head? And this is what the psalmist is saying here in this overview, in this beginning of the psalm. That, listen, if we want the true blessings, we've got to walk undefiled in the way. We've got to walk in the law of the Lord, keeping His testimony, seeking Him with the whole heart. That's how sin gets stopped in our lives. I've often used this example, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular, but if it hits you, well, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I hope it hits you hard. But uh, uh, I talked to a person years ago, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, they said, Pastor, i got a problem. I can't stop smoking. I said, okay. He says, and I don't understand it. I just hate cigarettes, and I just... I despise them. They ruin my life. And he went on like this for about ten minutes in this rant that was verging on rage. And I called his name and I looked at him and I said, you know, we got one problem here. He said, well, what's that, preacher? I said, you just spent the last five minutes talking about cigarettes. How are you going to quit them if they're the focus of what you're talking about? You see, you've got to get your eyes off the problems and on the laws and the directions of God. And He takes care of the problems. Amen? This is what Psalm 119 is about. This is the struggle through the life. And I, I, I believe it's the life of David. And, and we start out in verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Again, we have that struggle there. In verse 10, he says, I've sought thee with my whole heart. Let me not wander from thy commandments. You know, if we can get a hold of this thing, that living the Christian life is not about you. It's about God. It's not about how hard you can work to make your life better as much as it is a surrender of who you are to the Lord Jesus Christ and His words, and allowing Him to do the work and give the direction. Can we say amen to that? Because that's what this psalm, as David is talking about. And 
David was a young man. It said that he was a cunning man on the harp. You don't learn to play a musical instrument in one day, in one year. Someone once asked the uh, son of Andre Segovia, of arguably one of the uh, best uh, classical guitar players in all of history. And his little boy was in school. And he says, what's your dad do? And he says, my dad is a student of the guitar. And uh, obviously he got that from his father. That was one of his favorite sayings. He traveled the world, played every major symphony orchestra. In fact, uh, the classical guitar that we play today and, and the technique and all of that was actually developed by this man in the earlier parts of the, uh, the mid parts of the last century. And yet he recognized that what we might call genius and extraordinary ability, he said, I didn't strive to be this guitar player. I just fell in love with the guitar, and that's the instrument that I play. He became a servant of the guitar. Oh, that we would do that with God's Word. It's not just for the preachers, my friend. It's not just for the missionaries. It's not just for the few fanatics that are out there. It's for every person that wants to name the name of Jesus. And when David met Goliath, the Spirit of God had already given him victory because he wasn't looking at Goliath as the problem. He was looking at Goliath's cursing and reproach of the God of Israel. That was the problem. And to allow this beast of a man, this monster, we might say, at six, nine foot six inches tall, to have the victory would be saying that he is greater and has a right to defame the God of Israel. And David said, I don't come to you except in the power of the Lord. Where did he learn that? By seeking the Lord with his whole heart, by hiding God's word. Sometimes we think, oh yes, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we ought to memorize verses. Well, verse memorization is a good thing. But if you really want to hide God's word in your heart, read it enough for it to become a part of you. It's not just rote memorization. It's application. It's learning God's Word to the point that it changes, excuse me, changes behavior. What happened when you got saved? Stop and think about it a moment. You learned enough about God's Word to understand your sin and the offense that your sin was to the holiness of God. You understood enough about God's Word that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And that when Jesus was on the cross, He said, It is finished. That sin is paid for. And they buried Him in the tomb, and He rose again the third day. And the Bible says that by believing in Him, we can have forgiveness of sins. If, you, if you've experienced the forgiveness that Jesus gives, could you say amen to that today? God's Word changed your heart and your life. 
That's what it means to hide it. And David had enough of God's Word hidden in his heart that when he met Goliath on the battlefield, he realized that the battle was not David's. It's the Lord's. And we move on, and he says, Deal bountifully, verse 17, with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Do you notice what he's saying there? He's saying, God, give me your blessings. And here's the blessings that I can live and keep your word. Often when we pray and ask for God's blessings, it is, Dear Lord, help me figure out what in the world we're going to do with this scaffolding this week. I'm praying about that. And I want you to pray about that. We've still got to get up to the top of those towers and and fix the roof and figure out how to do so safely. I want you to pray about that. You say, but wait a minute. How in the world is keeping God's commandments going to help you fix the roof on those two towers out there? Well, you see how it works is... If I'll take care of things between me and God, God will bless me with all the things that I need to take care of, the problems and things I face in this life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. David says, deal, uh, the writer here, I hope you'll forgive me, uh, if I just say David wrote it, but deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Look at verse 19. We can't stop here. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed which do err from thy commandments. Now look at verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. You know, David had some pretty incredible times immediately after the battle with Goliath. He was brought on as... Saul's personal armor bearer. He was made actually the the commander of the armies of Israel. He led them out. He came in until jealousy began to set in between David and Saul. He was married to the king's daughter. Everything was looking fantastic for David. He understood that Samuel had anointed him as to be the next king of Israel. Everything was fitting in place very well, wasn't it? Until Saul heard them say, David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. And that evil spirit of jealousy began to pervade into Saul's mind. And Saul became further and further removed from the God of Israel in his hatred and in his Attempts to destroy David. And here, again, is one of those points that I like to bring out that corresponds with David's life. He had had this great victory 
and this desire to serve God. And he had prayed that God would teach him how to go out and to come in, how to carry himself as a young man in the presence of older men. And now he's saying, my soul cleaves to the dust. He said, I'm flat on my face. My face is in the mud and I can't even pick it up. Because Saul was hunting him to kill him. Could you imagine that? They make a lot of mother-in-law jokes, but what about David's father-in-law? I mean, uh, come on now, this is, this is beyond absurd. Verse 29, or 28, it says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. We, we could just read every verse here, but look at verse 32. I will run in the way of thy commandment when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He says, God, I am walking. Actually, what he's saying here is he's saying, Lord, I'm crawling in your commandments. But if you want me to run, you got to do a work in my heart. You got to lift me up. You got to make my heart uh, a, a little bigger than it is. You've got to enlarge my heart so that I can run in thy commandments. You know, this is what we talk about endurance. And, and we could, uh, we, we, Every one of us could talk about times in our life when our endurance has been tested and built. And other times when we've just come to the end of our rope and say, listen, boy, I've, I've had it. I can't go any further. That's where David was. But he understood something. That God had the ability. God has the power to make that heart bigger to handle the load of the pressures of this life. That God does not want us merely crawling in His way. But He wants us to have that abundant life to run with patience that race in the way that He has set before us. And this is not going to be the only sad time in David's life. I mean, there are going to be many, many other verses Uh, Look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Let's um, look down uh, a few more verses here. Look at verse 50, um, um, I'm sorry, Uh, verse uh, 53, he says, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Verse 51, I'm sorry, that's where we wanted to start, is the proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. We get down to verse 56. He said, This I had because I kept thy precepts. David had a lot of trouble in his life. 
He said, but because I kept a hold of the precepts of God, because I was walking in the way that I could, God preserved me and he hath kept me. Look at verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and dost good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Do you think that echoes the sentiments of James chapter 1 when it says rejoice than when we fall into diverse temptations? Uh, I believe there's a connection there uh, that David is, is just simply saying it's good when God puts me in the pressure cooker. Because he's teaching me things. He's trying to make me learn his statutes. You have people lying about you. You have people trying to hurt you and to destroy you. You know what? The best protection you can get, this is what David is talking about here. He said, they forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Say, God, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to fight the lies. That doesn't mean I'm going to agree with the liars. That, that's telling a lie yourself. But I'm not going to go that direction. Those are not my enemy. My main point is going to be me trying to keep your precepts. We'll come down here to verse, uh, yes, 92. He takes this same theme again. He says, unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in my affliction. He said, if I hadn't made thy law my delight, the devil would have taken me in the afflictions. I would have been moved. And we have many things that we delight in. What I mean, what is it that when, when you just need a break, what, what is it that you look for? Some people want to get out in the woods, in the mountains. Some people uh, just want a, uh, a box of cannolis or something along these lines. I mean, there's just different things out there that, that bring special pleasure to us. David said, if it hadn't been that my delights were in the law of God, those that were persecuting me, they would have taken me. They would have moved me. I would not be where I am now. You want protection in this world. You want protection from this world in which we live. you got to get into this book. This is what the psalmist is telling us. I love verse 96. I, I quote it often. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment 
is exceeding broad. Have you ever met anybody that prided themselves in being broad-minded? You know, the people who proclaim their broad-mindedness are the most narrow people I've ever met in my life. How about you? You ever found that to be true? Well, listen, we are, we are open-minded here. We believe that we everything goes. Uh, we're, we're tired of you moralists and you righteous people telling us what's different between right and wrong and that we're wrong. Uh, I remember a few years ago, this was back... Uh, uh, when the Democrats were having some real problems in the House of Representatives. In fact, the Speaker of the House of Representatives was possibly going to go to jail for the House Bank and the House Post Office where they were just laundering money by the scores of thousands of dollars. For And, and it was a terrible, terrible thing. And somebody came up with this thing. All you Republicans want to do is put Democrats in prison. And my thought was, Isn't that where criminals belong? You see, it wasn't a matter of Democrat versus Republican. It was a matter of right versus wrong. But what the world likes to do is they want to make it you versus me. Because as long as I can keep it on you versus me, well, you're not perfect. Who do you think you are? Oh, wait a minute. It's not you versus me. It's you versus God. And every one of us is wrong. Amen? But if I want freedom, I'll tell you what, I've got freedom. I'm not in debt. I don't have skeletons in my closet. I'm not afraid that somebody from my past is going to show up and destroy things that that I have done. uh, when, When your life follows God's Word... It's like the old song that uh, the Marshall family recorded many, many years ago. uh, Actually, before my wife and I were dating. It's, I have no regrets. Beautiful song. And that's what David is saying. He said, "I, I have freedom. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? He said, if you'll know the Son, you'll be what? Free indeed. It's the narrow way that gives me the most arm room to expand and to broaden my horizons and to learn about life. I'll tell you, it has been an exciting journey. I think of a friend of mine. Uh, we graduated high school together and and he said, Pete, I'm not like you. He said, I'll serve God after I've made my first million. Well, I've actually tried to get a hold of him, but he won't return any phone calls from any of us you know, in the old class and, and uh, won't have any contact with us. Because I'm sure he's afraid that if we got a hold of him, we'd throw that up in his face. Now, I've never made a million dollars. But last April, our church gave a million dollars to missions. And uh, if we'll take the renovations that it took for us just to put this building together, 
the value of those renovations would be about two and a half million dollars, and we got it done for less than one, and it's all paid for. And uh, I was adding up uh, the money that we've raised so far for uh, the Union Baptist Church and what's going on there. We're uh, right at, including the loans, uh, we're, we're uh, well, no, actually, yeah, let's see, one, 195, two, three, 295, we're 295,000, and then we've got uh, another 90,000 that we were able to borrow. So, I mean, you, you start talking about money like that, we're closing in on $400,000, and, and we're moving forward on these things. The property's probably worth about $4.5 million. I'll tell you what, I've had my share of money. But you know where we've handled all this? Keeping His commandments. And the most wonderful thing is, money doesn't have me. And I don't have it. Just keep giving it away. And keeping track of it. You see, you can't improve. You just cannot have more freedom. Look what verse 97, the, the next phrase comes back into this. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 105, one that you should have memorized. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. Unto my path. Verse 107. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Let's come down to verse 145. This is the cough strophe and probably the darkest of all of the Psalm 119. He says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee. Save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. People who are supposed to know Things say that this, this strophe here correlates the life of David to the rebellion of Absalom. Some of the darkest days in David's life where his own son had sought his, his death and his closest counselor, Ahithophel, had turned to make everything work for Absalom as far as it did. And it wasn't until Ahithophel's counsel was defeated that David had any hope. But here's what David said. He said, my first battle isn't going to be with Absalom and Ahithophel. My first battle is against me in keeping thy commandments. This same theme runs all the way through this psalm. And um, we come here, uh, verse One hundred and fifty, he says, they draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning the testimonies I have known of old, that thou hast founded them for 
ever. 153. Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Plead my cause and deliver me according to thy word. We come down to 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Do you get the picture there? He said, princes, powerful people, rulers, uh, have persecuted me. He said, but my back is turned to them, and my face is toward your word, and I am so consumed with the greatness of this is the base of the word awesome. Uh, I, I just hate the way that word is used in modern English, uh, in, in our everyday language. Oh man, this pizza is awesome, and, and uh, this movie is awesome, and this is... No, no. All is supposed to be our reaction toward God. That's all. Just stand there with your mouth hanging open. You can't put it into words. That is supposed to be our reaction toward God. And, and uh, we come here, uh, verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I'll tell you what, I wish, wish that verse was more in my life. I get offended sometimes. How about you? It says, if I love his law, I'll have great peace. And why do I have great peace? Because nobody can upset me. I'm so consumed with God that it really doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'll tell you, that, that will help you during this presidential election year in the United States. If we could just get more concerned about God's law and God's goodness rather than all the troubles we're going to face if either one of these people get elected, I'll tell you, that's the answer. And so we move on and we come down to this last verse here. Now, I want you to look at everything that we've said here and all the verses that he has talked about God's law. And he said, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. No almost wonder if this last strophe had not been written after the destruction of Jerusalem because of David's numbering of Israel. And as David is looking back on his life, he's saying, you know, there's not much in my life that really counted for God that I did on purpose for God. He said, I've been just like one of those little sheep that wouldn't stay in the way. He said, seek thy servant. God, just like I have sought the sheep that have left the flock, just like I have uh, taken care of the sheep as a young shepherd boy, Lord, I want you to take care of me as one of your sheep. I don't forget thy laws, but I disobey them from time to time. 
I walk out of the way that I'm supposed to be in. Lord, keep me in the way. Isn't that a fitting conclusion to this incredible psalm? And how well it follows the life of David. And we just touched, scratched the surface, really. We could, we could spend so much time here, but that's not the goal. The goal is looking through this psalm and the life of David and finding out one thing. The answer to every problem that we face is honoring God's words. That's the answer. When people attack us, don't attack back. Honor God's word. You know, my mama used to have a saying, she said, just consider the source and ignore it. Well, that's kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? But I'll tell you what is possible to do is get so wrapped up in your consideration of God that you can ignore what they're saying and doing against you. Amen? That theme is back through this psalm all the way from the beginning to the end. It's not about my ability to keep God's law. It's about Him being the good shepherd that seeks me and keeps me in the way. And all God's people say, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm and we ask that you would encourage us to take some time this week and read through Psalm 119. To allow the Holy Spirit to just mine some of these wonderful gems we've we've moved so quickly and just touched on so few of the uh, verses in this psalm, yet each one of them. Truly is a treasure unto itself. Lord, we ask you to help us to walk in the way that we should. We'll take just a moment before we finish the prayer. If you need to just slip out of your seat, you may.